Welcome to the Southerner Podcast. This is Elena Hubert, co-editor-in-chief, and I'm here today with senior Rihanna Vines. How are you, Rihanna? Good, and you? I'm good. What are you going to be sharing for us today? Today, I'm going to be reciting three poems, The Better Norm, Love is the Key, and Oreo. I can't wait. The Better Norm. We're always so scarred and hurt, yet so scared of growth. We hold it in and hurt others, even those we love the most. But that still doesn't heal us. It only adds fuel to the pain. Hurt people hurt people. We all know the saying. But that's not right. We've all had our struggles, our burdens and tears. We've handled our traumas for hundreds of years. My people, we are still here through everything we persevered. We've accomplished the unreal, but we never got the chance to heal. From chains to slaves to nooses to prisons to streets. The times pass, but the scars, they just keep digging deep. We want to heal so bad, but we just can't catch a break. For every step forward, we're knocked 10 steps back. How do we heal a broken race? A race of pain, suffering, and abuse. A race of caged birds waiting to let loose. How do we heal from the burdens we face? It starts within the temple we own, our mind, our heart, our body, and soul. The dark paths we forget yet unconsciously still hold. It's weighing us down in ways we don't know. So stop running from your past, embrace it and grow. Learn for your past, look up and let go. This won't heal all, but it's where we'll start. The projects that take time are the works of art. We start within, find peace in our storm on our long overdue journey to the better norm. Yes, amazing. So I think one of the lines in the beginning of your poem that I think hits really hard is you bring up hurt people, hurt people. So can you kind of speak on that a little bit? That's really just one of those cliche terms that you hear all your life when people project their inner hurt onto others. And we see that a lot of ways by people, you know, fighting, people cursing at another, people just letting their anger out on the neck. And this poem in specific was definitely like related to black people. And in the low income black community, the norm is death, jail, crime, abuse, fighting, poverty, lack of resources, poor health treatment, and overall generational curses. As a black person, we all know them. We've all shared the experience, the struggles. We've lost people, we've hated another, we've killed another. And all of these reactions and lifestyles all resort back to the same thing, whether it's being hurt by the system, by racism, or by one another. And we've been conditioned to just accept this pain. This is an old norm and it's time for the better norm. The norm, the norm where we can control our own fate. We stop taking the easy route and start facing the pain that lies within. The pain that has manipulated us to turn against another. The pain that has made us forget our power is in the numbers and our division is, in, is our weakness. Our lack of insight to see that we are more than our struggles. We know everything that's wrong with our community. We know everything that needs change and help, but it's up to us only to do our parts in uplifting another, leading another, breaking our curse and becoming our destiny. So when I say hurt people, hurt people, especially for the black community, a lot of that is just pain that we have from home that we're taking out into the world and we're projecting on each other. So we always hear about black or black crime, but the difference between that and hate crimes is we're not killing each other because we're black, but we're killing each other because of personal issues that we have with each other and we don't know how to cope. We don't know how to handle things with our emotions, so we take them out on others. So when I say hurt people, hurt people, that's exactly what I mean. And that's not just with black people, but this poem in specific was made in relation to black history. Our history is a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. So speaking of black history and your familial history, you bring up 
we've handled traumas for hundreds of years. Can you tell me a little bit of maybe um, how this would relate to your family? Okay, so if anyone knows African-American history, we know the same story we've heard forever. And at a point, it gets like, it's overwhelming to keep hearing about racism because we started out as slaves here and we thought we were free. Then comes segregation and we thought that was over. Then comes mass incarceration. And that's just the broad terms to cover all of the things that my people have went through. And this relates a lot to me, my personal background, because I'm, I was born and raised in Atlanta, but both of my parents are from a small town called Princeville, North Carolina, which is historically black. It was one of the first towns established by black slaves after slavery ended. And my granddad in Pacific, he lost over half of his land in a racial land dispute. He was a farmer. And basically a white man just came along, decided he wanted the land and he got to take it. And my granddad's dreams was crushed by that. My great granddad whose land it was passed down, I think the land was, we got the land in the early 1900s. It led my great granddad to have a heart attack. He died from just distress because that was his real passion. My granddad now, after that, he decided that he was going to go into his own business into the automobile industry. And he's like, he has his own business along with my grandmother. It's called Vines um, Beauty Salon, a used car garage. And, you know, that just inspires me that even though we have had our struggles and our traumas and we can always overcome it. And it's sad that we have to pull our bootstraps up, but it's possible. And when we do do it, it just, the reward is so great because of the traumas that we went through and it just it's been with black history and in every family i can say it's been some type of trauma that has been caused by racism so that's what i mean when i say we've handled these traumas for hundreds of years so what are some of the better norms that you hope to see with yourself and your community actually to get into that for black history month i mix my poetry the better norm with my business flyer attire and i have it's called the, the Better Norm Uplifted Black History. I make hoodies and sweatshirts. And every week I give a poem about what the better norm could be from generational curses that were created by racism. So a few of the ones that I went over so far in the past couple of weeks is basically breaking the generational curse of the absent father and the toxic mother by and doing that so by creating healthy lifestyles. So, you know, cause it's no, when you're coming from a history that has so much trauma, toxic is really a normal. So in order to break that, we're gonna have to heal. Um, another better norm that I'm doing is being advocating black leaders and supporting black leaders, supporting black businesses, supporting black schools, black programs. And all in all, overall, just the better norm is promoting black healing and black sensitivity and just supporting each other. So that's what the better norm would be for the black, for black history for me. Great, thank you so much for sharing the better norm. Do you wanna go into Love is the Keynote? Yes, I'd love to. Go to it. Love is the key. This one I actually dropped on Christmas day, so. We get so blinded by the media, we think designer cars and money is success. How many likes, comments, and shares brings us stress. We're so busy trying to keep up trends and forget how much we're blessed. Through every bad day, week, or month, we're still here. And God knows this has been a hell of a year. We fumbled, fell, lost hope, and shed tears. We've even lost loved ones, one of our biggest fears. But through all this, we never need Gucci, Louis, or Fendi. 
We never leaned on a Benz or a Birkin, nothing trendy. We needed our loved ones, our families and friends. We needed each other to get through these bins. Through it all together, we never broke. When you realize love is the key, that's when you're woke. You see, we want materials and followers, but it won't make you whole. All the glitz and glam we desire could be owned by a dark soul. Are these perfect body shapes that have you questioning your worth? Thinking you're too slim or too big, but you've been perfect since birth. We are all created equal. We all share the same earth. By thinking you're not enough, you're putting others first. Remember, the media is not real and it does not define you. Reality is around you. It's what you wake up to. Whether you're living in a mansion, a mansion or living in a shoe, be grateful and mindful of what you're living through. Your followers' clothes or money doesn't make you better, nor does your struggle, hustle, or sad story make you less. Life is about loving those in your life at your worst and your best and understanding everything you go through in life is a test. So I know you said that this poem was released around Christmas. So was there something that you maybe saw that prompted you to make this poem? No, not anything in particular, but Christmas, a lot of times we make that holiday be about material things and gifts. And it's a lot of people who aren't fortunate to have that and it makes them feel bad or makes them feel like they're less than because they don't have it. And just throughout the year, we see celebrities and a lot of people who who are blessed to have the opportunities to be financially stable. They're like showing out these things and making people feel like this is success or this is happiness. And I felt like Christmas time was a perfect time to touch on that topic and give people a sense of hope and remind them of what matters. You know, we just went through a very tumultuous year, a year of turmoil, twist turns. A lot of people lost things. I lost my grandmother and my granddad in 2020. I didn't, I lost my granddad, I'm sorry, after Christmas, but on the 31st, on the 31st, but regardless of all of that, like people have lost things. And during those times when we're losing and we're going through times where we need mental help, we need each other. We need love. We don't need these material things that we can't even take to the grave. So I definitely just felt that poem was perfect for Christmas because Christmas is not just about gifts. You know, that's just money. Money doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this idea of wokeness and love is the key. So how would you define being woke? When I say woke, I mean, not caught up in this this idea of success or a dream because a lot of times when we're in our lives we're dreaming of where we want to be and a lot of times it's based off of others success or others happiness but that's a sleep mindset to me because you if you're not happy with where you are now you're not going to be happy with anything you get later because I look at happiness as being within and happiness is about loving those around you, loving those who are in the same predicament as you, loving those who don't have just because you don't love people because of what they have, you know? And woke, I think of as like, just overall, just caring about the things that are free in life. You know, we, we think so much about things that literally do not matter, things that once we leave this earth, which is we, a day that we have on this earth is never promised, you know? We, when I think of woke, I'm thinking of the things that, you know, make your, you wake up and it just makes your heart melt. You know what I'm saying? Your passions. That's what wokeness is about. So you yourself, Rihanna, you are an entrepreneur. You have flyer attire. You have um, a business. So how do you think that this speaks to you as an entrepreneur and a businesswoman? This definitely speaks to me because 
I feel like a lot of times when people start businesses, a lot of the times their goal behind it is to get money, but that's not just my case. Of course, I want to have money. I want to create generational wealth for my family, but it's passion behind my business. I'm doing my business because I want people to be inspired by me. I want to have something that instead of going to clock in a nine to five, I'm going to put that same amount of time in something that I love to do or something in my vision. And overall with having a business, you're going to have those slow times where you're not making any money. You're going to have times where you're making a lot of money, but regardless of it, I'm not going to allow the amount of money I make to determine my success or determine my happiness. At the end of the day, what matters to me is what I'm accomplishing and what I'm doing for myself. So yeah, that's basically how I feel, how this helps me with perceiving how I should look at my business. It's not always about money. And that's another thing that comes with me setting my prices. I want everyone to be able to afford my things. Yeah, one day I hope to be able to be in retail stores, but I don't want my things to be $100, $200 because I want everybody to be able to wear my stuff. So That's great. So do you want to get into Oreo now? Oreo, yes. That's it. Okay, Oreo. I love the side eye when I enter a job or classroom. My long nails, dark skin, and bow hair has that effect. But what's better is the way my knowledge is a threat. The way I dress and talk made them underestimate my intellect. But what I can't stand is when somebody who looks like me tells me I act white or I'm an Oreo. Because let me get this right, I just want to know. Is the bar for your intelligence really that low? Did you really set a standard to a color as if being smart is just a white thing? As if being smart makes my black skin duller? As if being smart makes my black safer than any other? Who even decided being black and smart was a crime, as if being smart was once upon a time not our right, as if my ancestors were not allowed to read and write because masters knew it would empower them to rise up and fight. So when I hear Oreo or acting white, it gets me tight because my education empowers me and releases me from the chains. The ones that you wear when you knock me from my brains. The ones you wear when you compare my power to the cause of our pain. Don't tell me I act white when my black brings me pain. Don't tell me I'm an Oreo when I still have to work harder to gain. Recognition, opportunity, money, and respect, because no matter how qualified I am, my back keeps me overstepped. For someone who hasn't heard the word Oreo in the context that you're bringing it up here, what does it mean? Oreo is a term that, you know, I always hear, and a lot of people like me always heard, being educated in a minority as acting white or being black on the outside and white on the inside, just like an Oreo. That's what Oreo means. So can you describe any personal circumstances where you were called an Oreo? Oh my gosh. I want to say it, it got better once I entered high school, but middle school, that whole experience, especially going from a predominantly black inner city school to Emmett, I heard it all the time because for one, I don't know if people realize, but in a school like Emmett and Grady, that we're diverse as far as the numbers, but as far as classrooms, we're not. And I started out, I was put in basically on-level classes that I was overqualified to be in. You know, I had already took the courses. So by the time I went into advanced, the people who were in my class, in the on-level class, after my mom advocated for me to get moved up, they started calling me Oreos, or I think I'm white, or I'm, I'm a smarty, or, you know, like it's a insult. And in the beginning, I used to like kind of take offense to it because like, what do you mean? You don't have to act or look a certain way to be smart. Education has no color, no, it's no def def definite look to education. 
So yeah, mostly in middle school is when I always used to hear the term. And it really just got annoying to the point where I just used to have to tell people about themselves like, girl, boy, whoever, you can't tell me I act a certain way because I'm educated. Education is, that's not an adjective I don't think of. Education is like, it's you. It's all about the person. You don't have to look a certain type of way to be educated. So would you say that Oreo compared to love is the key and the better norm, it speaks more to you as an individual just because you've had these experiences? Definitely. Um, I can definitely say this relates very, it's very personal for me, but it also relates to a lot of the people that I was in classes with that were, that looked like me, but we was the very few in the class that would be like, you know, pushed to the side or especially when we had group work or whatever like in classes like advanced classes and it was time to pick a partner or something we were always the eyeballs out um so when i wrote this i was just thinking of that experience of growing up black and educated with other people that look like me as well so it's very personal mm -hmm. so would you say that it's gotten better since you left and then you've been at grady or is it still kind of happening well if it's still happening i don't know nothing about it because i too ignorance out like for real i've got to the age where Honestly, you cannot, I realize you cannot rationalize with irrational people, people who still believe this at this age, nine times out of 10, me telling them, you know, is not going to make them see it any differently. But I can say when I dropped this poem, a lot of people who were guilty of calling me an Oreo understood it. They saw it differently. So that's another reason I just enjoy poetry because it can touch people in, in different ways instead of you just talking at a person, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I can't say it's gotten better for me personally because I just don't, I don't entertain anything like that anymore. Mm -hmm. It don't even bother me anymore. That's good to hear. So do you have any like overall thoughts about your poetry or like some themes that you want people to get from your poem? The main thing I want people to get is to just be yourself. Do what makes you happy because honestly, if I had not shared my poetry, I'd probably still be scared or thinking so much about what other people are gonna think or if people are gonna judge me. And that's not what life is about. If you live your life thinking about if people are gonna like what you're doing or not, or if you should do it based off of what everybody else thinks, you're never gonna do what you're meant, what you're sitting here to do. I feel like everybody here has a purpose and it's up to us to not be afraid to share our purpose. And I believe that's why so many of the people are trying to chase these same dreams, but that's not our dream. That's a dream that was set by capitalism, really, when you think about it, like this American dream of having a lot of money and this and that, that's not really what we're all here to do. So that's the main message I want people to take away from my poetry. And overall, that's just why I write, because it's, it's me being me. You know, I don't write just for others to hear, but I write because it's expressive for me. I write because sometimes I just, I'm bored. Sometimes it's just fun for me. That's just overall what writing is for me and poetry is for me. Great, well, thank you so much for talking with me, sharing your poetry with the audience. How can people hear your poetry regularly? Okay, thank you so much for this opportunity as well. Like this is, it means a lot to me to see that people actually like see what I'm doing. And, Thank you for that. And you can watch my poetry on my Instagram at one B-A-D-G-A-L-R-E-R-E, -R -E -R -E, one bad gal, Riri. Or you can go to my business page at flyer, Italia, F-L-I-E-R dot A-T-T-I-R-E. And eventually I'm gonna get a, a 
probably try to get a podcast set up or you know a YouTube channel so that people who don't use social media are able to access it as well but that's where I post all of my poetry and that's where I've started and where I'm going with it now so Great. Well, thank you so much for everything. You've been so vulnerable. I'm sure it means so much to so many people what you're able to do. And yeah, thank you so much, Rihanna. Thank you, Elena. Seriously, I really thank you for this. It means a lot.